Hi, and welcome to episode 12 of Rico's Cafe, deep tech and down-tempo beats brought to you by me, DJ Inc. Well, it's been far too long since my last podcast. I got a little off schedule, but sometimes life just happens and it's hard to keep up. That's not to say that I haven't been playing music and recording a lot of mixes, though. Actually, it's been quite busy on that front. Sometime after my last episode, I started buying up a lot of a similar sound of tracks and it occurred to me that I was building towards something new. I often find inspiration like that. I'm not really sure where it came from this time or where it was going, but I knew the feeling and decided to continue to explore it. I was trying to decide what to do for my next podcast episode and I didn't have any guests lined up, but I had landed on a concept. Then I had a booking pop up that I started preparing for and so I decided to hold off putting out the podcast and maybe I could record it live at this gig. The gig was great, it was a lot of fun and I'll tell you more about that later, but But long story short, what I played wasn't 100% what I had envisioned for the podcast. That got me to thinking, maybe it would be fun to talk a little bit about what it actually means to be a DJ. And I thought I could also pull back the curtain a little bit on my creative process. So, that being said, this might be a long one. So for those of you who just want to skip to the music, feel free to jump ahead to about the 19 minute mark and enjoy. Now, for the rest of you fine folks who want to stick around and hear what I have to say, here goes. Some of this may get specific, but I think it could be applied to almost any creative process. As the brilliant Simon Sinek says, let's start with the why. If you're not familiar with Sinek, check out his TED Talks, and he goes into great detail about this theory and how it improves your life, how it improves your prospects, your marketing, and this is really the path to empathic communication. So why do I DJ? Well, simply because it makes me happy, and little gives me more reward than seeing others react positively to my music when I'm DJing. I love the way music feels. Specifically, I love the way electronic music can be put together in a way that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. This is the elusive journey that every DJ's bio or latest mix description talks about. This is really why some of us gravitate towards certain DJs. It means we found a connection to that part of the craft. I believe that this can happen through all sorts of music, but I tend to enjoy the subtleties of the art of DJing music that most of my audience probably hasn't heard before. In today's world of EDM, pop, and hip-hop, we seem to have skewed toward the lowest common denominator, and it's probably much easier to see the effects of music in its unabashed format through DJs and producers playing hit songs with exaggerated bass drops and repeated hooks or in many cases, simple words and syrupy lyrics. It's much more challenging to find those emotions in music stripped bare of those obvious cues. As many of you know, much of what I listen to or play has no or or very sparse lyrics. I've always been a fan of samples, particularly from old films, because I felt that ties two of my favorite things together as well as gives the listener something to grasp to. But for the most part, I like to think of the music I play sort of like a modern version of classical or jazz in the context that you're really working with subtext and composition to create feeling. So first and foremost, how do I find new music? Well, I'm constantly listening to music. Most work days, I'm sitting at a desk in an office environment, and if I'm not in a meeting or on a call, I typically have wireless earbuds in. Um, Like everyone, I go through phases, but I would venture to say that I almost exclusively listen to electronic music these days. Um, I'll I'll occasionally break it up with some old bands or old school hip-hop. You know, I try out new stuff, new hip-hop, but most of it just doesn't stick. I can't stand pop music and, and haven't willingly listened to the radio in decades. 
decades. Um, but there's a lot of ways to find new music these days. The core concept of finding new electronic music hasn't really changed much despite the change in mediums. In the old days, it was about going to the local record shop where I had relationships with various employees and you learn over time which ones have similar taste and those were the folks I'd ask for recommendations. Then over time, you develop a knowledge of artists and labels that you would follow and often start there for new tunes. This would get you part of the way there, but the rest is just plain old digging. There's a true art to crate digging and buying that ultimately shows up in the end product of what a DJ plays. In my favorite genres, it was often about finding tracks that no one else was playing. So while you might pull a banger or a well-known hit or two, most of what I was trying to buy was more subtle filler, so to speak. As many of those traditional record stores started online sales, it was a similar process for a while, but maybe a bit clunkier at first. Sometimes I would call on the phone and, and speak to the guys or gals that worked in these shops around the world and tell them what I was looking for and they would throw me some recommendations, but often it was a lot of listening to clips online. But for a while, you were still listening to needle drops of vinyl. Once strictly digital releases became more popular, that sort of changed everything in that all of a sudden there was a flood of music available for better or worse. No longer was the cost of pressing vinyl a barrier of entry to releasing a track. And as you can imagine, a lot more shitty music made it out than ever before. Sure, a lot more great music as well, but with the increased volume of releases and the lack of consistency in categorization, it became more difficult than ever to sift through the piles of crap to find gems. Now, there are some ways around this. Some online shops like Beatport offer functionality, uh, like the ability to follow artists and labels, allowing you to curate your feed. Beatport allows you to create different carts or lists. I have probably 15 to 20 different carts or lists for different sounds that I play at any given time with upwards of 100, 150 tracks in each. So we're talking thousands of tracks that I've already pre-selected waiting for me to buy based on the mood I'm in or, or the mood that I want to create. Another way I find inspiring tracks is of course, I listen to a lot of DJ mixes. Certainly, plenty of bigger artists I, I enjoy but also a lot of the lesser known and plenty of Atlanta locals. Sometimes I'll train spot a track from a set here or there and that'll lead me to new artists or new labels to follow. I also listen to a lot of my own mixes and I think this is key. Uh, some DJs hardly ever put out recordings and if you followed my career you know that I put out a lot of mixes probably more than most and I record everything. This is one of the keys to my creative process. A lot is changed over the years and how or what I play, but one of the constants is that I always record everything and listen back to it, and sometimes obsessively. I think there are a few reasons for this. First, I buy a ton of music, and I don't play out a lot, so what else am I going to do with it? It's music I'm interested in, so why not curate my own listening experiences? This really dates back to my high school years and early exposure to music. I made a lot of mixtapes back then, and I would be the guy who showed up at a party with a mixtape to play and people would listen to it and then sometimes I'd end up making copies for friends and the second and maybe most important reason for always recording is to capture data and emotion. 
playing live evokes a certain emotion that's hard to capture at home in the studio. I am not the type of DJ who enjoys practicing certain mixes over and over and over until they're perfect. I actually cannot stand editing my own work. This is another crucial key to unlocking my creative process. So many creatives will argue this point to their death that to refine your craft, you have to edit, edit, edit. I simply can't stand it. Uh, I write a lot of content and presentations for work and nothing kills me more from the inside than revisions. I stand firm that my first pass is usually my best, at least creatively. So when I record every time I play, I'm hoping to capture that lightning in the bottle, so to speak. That's why occasionally I might release a mix with a questionable transition on it over recording it over and over for perfection. The other reason is I've found over the years 99% of your audience doesn't care. A great DJ mentor of mine once told me no one will ever care about your music as much as you so just do what makes you happy. Over the years I've seen vibe win out over technical perfection time and time again. Now sure there are thresholds but a mistake here or there doesn't tend to ruin the vibe. Now repeated train wrecks however will only get in the way of the message, so practice and learn your craft. Another nuance of my creative process is that I rarely play the same thing twice. This is another wildly arguable point. Some DJs will play the same track set after set. There are several schools of thought here. On one hand, familiarity can be a bonding moment with the crowd. Sometimes these tracks are go-tos that have been battle-tested, they're easy to grasp, and they're known to get the crowd moving. This is why you'll always hear staples of familiar songs at weddings, dances, and general bars, that sort of thing. There's also some history here. During the broadcast radio era, the disco era, DJs were the vehicle to quote-unquote breaking a record. Record companies would often deliver records to DJs and in many cases incentivize or even pay them to play their records in regular rotation. This is what creates quote-unquote hits and was the driving force behind successful hit records. This is how we ended up with billboard charts and even record pools. Disco and house DJs like Larry Levine, Frankie Knuckles, Ron Hardy, and the list go on were responsible for breaking records and playing them in the clubs over and over until people started asking for them in record shops. We all know this is how house music came to be by people coming in asking for the type of music that Frankie Knuckles was playing at the warehouse in Chicago. In the legend of Acid House, as it's told by now Atlanta-based DJ Pierre and his partner Future, was that they took a tape to Ron Hardy at the Music Box in Chicago, where he played the same track four times over the course of the night until the crowd finally caught on and went nuts, birthing a new genre called Acid House. All of that being said, I've always just had little patience for playing the same stuff in my sets. It does create a sense that music is disposable, but so much of modern society falls into that trap that I guess I kind of like the idea of trying to make timeless mixes that listeners will want to revisit time and time again using tracks that I may never play play again. This is another reason I'm not mad about the digital era. Individual tracks are cheap compared to vinyl 12 inches or records. A single track is anywhere between 99 cents and 3 bucks or so. DJs spend a lot of money on $12 EPs for one playable track and given my likelihood of playing it multiple times was lower than most, it was a financial disaster to buy records. So let's pause for a recap. First, finding good music today takes a lot of work and that's 
really where the DJ's job begins. Second, always record. It's easier to delete a bad set than sitting around wishing you had recorded something that felt amazing, but you have no way of knowing if it was a good set or not. Now, back to what we're doing here today. As I mentioned, I've latched onto a certain sound recently that I started referring to as subterranean jazz. Um, I started collecting and curating tunes in this vein. I began lumping them into two buckets. The first was more down-tempo, acid jazz, loungy stuff, and the other was more dance floor friendly, but there was still a thread of this abstract, jazzy instruments or riffs that sort of tied the whole concept together. I began toying around with these tracks by recording a few sets that I was envisioning as a daytime versus nighttime vibe compilation. Then, as I mentioned, I had this opportunity to play a brand new spot some friends of mine associated with the cardio crew here in Atlanta recently opened up over in East Atlanta Village called Banshee. It's a fantastic spot, so please check them out if you're in Atlanta. Uh, it's a restaurant and bar, but they have a nice sound system, and they have the city's top DJs play there late night. They really just kicked this off, but their DJs typically start at 11 p.m. after the dinner service, and they just sort of scoot the tables out of the way to make uh, way for a dance floor. I thought this could be the perfect opportunity to unveil this new concept I had been working on, and given the chill, abstract nature of some of the tracks, I thought it could be the perfect vibe for playing uh, during dinner hours. So I asked him if I could come show up early and, and play some chill stuff during dinner. And they were into the idea, so that was the plan. Now, given that I had recorded about a half dozen sets leading up to and preparing for this, I had some great ideas of what I wanted to do. I don't necessarily pre-plan my sets per se, but I do like to have some idea of places to start from. And when you play out and frequently as I do, it's nice to have something that you know works if you need it, especially while you're sorting out any number of issues that can occur with DJing, whether it's, you know, equipment issues, general unfamiliarity with the setup, um, or just nerves or whatever. Actually, the equipment gives me more anxiety about playing than anything these days. At home, I play on a Pioneer controller that mimics your standard CDJ2000 setup pretty well, but it's still not quite the same. Really something else I should talk about because it's a huge part of my creative process right now is how I prepare to play. I use two pieces of software that have forever changed how I play. First is Mixed and Key. Mixed and Key analyzes your tracks and tags them with the primary key of the track using the Camelot notation. I'm not going to go into it. You can Google Camelot notation for more info on it, but basically it's a layman's way of harmonic mixing for people who don't understand actual key notations and how to read music. I've always had a good ear for music and I can mix records in key without it, but this is a fantastic way to quickly sort and manage massive collections. It makes it easy to find options that might go together with whatever's playing by just knowing and searching by key. The other app I use is the Beatport Pro desktop app to tag all of my music. It's a little bit of pain in the ass, but the upfront work can really pay off. Because I don't like playing the same tracks over and over, and I get a rush from playing brand new stuff that I've never heard, it can be extremely hard to mix two tracks that you've never heard all the way through. What Beatport Pro does is allow me to create custom tags for songs based on how I think of music, which can be a very personal and weird thing sometimes. Uh, for example, if I want to play a set of deep techie tracks with jazzy sounds, I can simply search three terms, deep techie, jazzy, and get a whole list of tracks I've tagged as such. 
This really allows me to play sets of brand new music and ensure that the tracks will more or less go together. The problem with this complex way of relying on technology to play is that it doesn't directly translate to the industry standard CDJ2000 setup. It can, but it takes a little bit of knowledge and, and work to export your tracks and tags. And even then, it's, it's not as easy to search using words on the scroll dials or touch screens of the CDJs. So lately, I've been taking my laptop to plug into the CDJs as controllers so that I can do my thing. When it works, it works pretty well, but as I said, I always have anxiety about it and I'm still learning the best way to set everything up. The other great thing is the flexibility it allows, which can really come in handy like it did for this recent gig. See, I showed up early and got set up. Uh, it was a busy dinner service and it's a brand new restaurant, so the staff and owners are still getting into their groove as far as all the things that go into making a flawless restaurant experience. And let's face it, it's their baby. So as I started playing that night, I started with a very chill vibe. And as I mentioned, I had a few tracks in mind that I'd been working with and some recordings and knew exactly how I wanted to pace the entire evening so that two hours later, when they transformed the space into a dance floor, I would be exactly at the tempo and vibe that I wanted to be at. However, there's just one problem. That was my vision and not necessarily the vision of the owners. Now, these folks know me well and they know what I do musically. And yes, they put me to do my thing. However, they also have a creative vision for their restaurant and the vibe and experience that they want to leave their patrons with and in my opinion it's a DJ's job in this case to conform to that and at the end of the day that's what matters most literally toward the end of the first track which was a nightmares on wax track I think one of the owners came to me and asked me to pick up the vibe to match where it was before I started before I came on they were playing a playlist of random rock pop and indie type tunes so I wasn't really sure what that meant but I got the the point. The next song I played was a bit more up-tempo. It was still fairly chill. It was a familiar trip-hop track that had vocals a lot of people know and I looked around and there were some heads nodding. However, it didn't do the trick. I was asked again to pick it up. The message was loud and clear. I need to do something drastic quickly. So I abandoned my plan, started searching for something I thought would hit the mark and something that they were looking for. So I made a jump in tempo and vibe, but this time it hit the mark and from that point forward we were off to a great night. It took a few records to settle back in and find my groove, but from that point, it was all about how could I match the energy and vibe they were looking for while still exploring this new concept that I wanted to bring to the table and stay on my brand, so to speak. Uh, in the end, I was able to do just that. I never played anything that I didn't like or wasn't me, but I just adjusted to meet the needs of others beyond what was actually even happening with the audience and the folks dining there. So, now that I've rambled way too long, what I want to do is share with you two sets. The first is one of the earlier home recordings of the original concept of what I was envisioning for this subterranean jazz concept. The second is cut from the dinner portion of that night, so just after I settled in, so that you can see how different the two are. For me, this is the perfect illustration of what a professional DJ is all about. Practice your tradecraft to the point of being flexible, being able to work in any situation to create a vibe that works for that moment while staying true to yourself and having fun. Please have a listen, follow me, and leave me a comment on SoundCloud, DJINC-ATL, and let me know what you think. Also, subscribe on iTunes so you can get the latest Rico's Cafe delivered right to you. And stay tuned because I'll release a second part to this very soon in which we can have a listen to some of the later portions of that night. So for now, enjoy the tunes. I am DJ Inc., and you are listening to 
subterranean jazz on Rico's Cafe. Enjoy.
Okay, so you just heard one of the concept recordings for Subterranean Jazz. Now we'll check out the live recording to see how different it is. Here we go, DJ Inc. playing Subterranean Jazz live at Banshee Part 1. Enjoy.
don't want to go back and I don't enjoy success anymore. There's too much at stake to pull back. I'm on the brink of a great achievement. All this is just the beginning.
Hey, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Rico's Cafe, Deep Tech, and Down Tempo Beats, brought to you by me, DJ Inc. Stay tuned for the next episode coming up very soon. Uh, we're going to have another listen to some of the live bits from this Banshee night, and hope to see you back soon. Enjoy. <laughs>